Welcome to the Midwest Nice Podcast, the show with honest political discourse, Dipton Ranch. This is your host, John Flynn, and today I'm joined by Lauren Kaufman and Amy Lipka. Keep your accent strong and the oldest close by, because you're going to need it. Let's get the show started. doing it live are we on a schedule not gonna say that no but this is the first time that we've been like weeks back to back in quite a long time john remember when you said maybe we'll be in a normal schedule and yeah. then i said john just say we'll be in a normal schedule and then we weren't for a long time yeah yeah well sorry about that we're constantly working to make improvements here at midwest we nice. are not <laughs> uh we're sometimes working to make some improvements here at Midwest sometimes. And it's true. So, yeah, for two two whole weeks in a row we're recording again. There's been mostly two to three week gaps for, I don't know, a good four months now. We also realize that it is easier to t- find news to talk about when you wait three weeks. That's true. We had a little, we had, you know, it took a little bit longer to get it together today, but I still think we had some great things to talk about. Uh, speaking of which, MDP convention just happened. Big news. Uh, Lavora Barnes was elected the uh, Democratic Party chair. Uh, I think we're all pretty happy about that. I think most of the party, and I don't know if... I mean, she was endorsed by almost everyone. Yeah, I don't know if any significant bodies in the party are upset by this. I, for one, am willing to go out on a limb and say this is good news for Democrats across the state of Michigan. Bold if true. Bold if true. Huge if true. Huge if true. Uh, Yeah, so she was uh, chosen to lead the Michigan Democratic Party as chair, uh, taking over for Brandon Dillon to lead party operations ahead of the 2020 elections. So, uh, yeah, Brandon Dillon, uh, he decided not to run for re-election after the 2016 and 2018 elections where he was serving. Um, So, yeah, she, as... Uh, Lauren and Amy both alluded to was pretty much endorsed by every organization, every political, yeah, the whole congressional delegation came out in the week beforehand. Susan Whitmer and I think. Was there any real opposition? Did any of the other candidates have a chance? There were, there were, I think, four other candidates. I think two others who actually made it to the voting process. And Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, there were a lot of really passionate activists who have put in a lot of work in their communities and I think that it was um, you know it's always good to have a little bit of competition um, and gives them an opportunity to talk about the issues that are most important to them and kind of let the party know um, what issues might be interesting to different constituencies so um, but yeah Lavora was definitely the the winner yeah <laughs> That's, that is a fact yes Lauren that is true she is the winner <laughs> Uh, Yeah, so Barnes of Ann Arbor was serving uh, previously as the party's chief operating officer, and before that was the Oakland County's deputy clerk, and she also served as the state director for former President Barack Obama's 2012 re-election campaign. So So quite the resume. Yeah, she's been doing it for a long time. Yeah, and I think that her strength at the convention really speaks to not only her experience in other roles, but also what a great job she's been doing running um, kind of the day-to-day stuff at the party and really puts the party in a great position going into another election cycle, having um, 
someone who really understands the inner workings and can work with the current staff and kind of carve her own vision but knows like what the strengths and weaknesses Mm -hmm. of the current party organization are can we talk a little bit about like what she's going to be doing like what the chair does of the state party yeah i mean and from what i know it's a lot of like fundraising and then making the big decisions about like where do we allocate this money like making all the strategic like you know leading that up all the strategic decisions around elections right yeah definitely puts her in um, major decision making capacity and also um, serving as the face of the party at Mm -hmm. important events and um, with national leaders yeah yeah it's definitely one of those positions that is hugely important but I think um, it's always been a problem sort of of people only really caring about presidential elections in that and we definitely saw a flip of that in the 2018 elections where it seemed like people really turned out in huge numbers for uh state and you know congressional races in a way that they they hadn't before so hopefully that continues to trickle down even more i hate to use the phrase trickle down but uh (laughs) but hopefully that continues a good trend moving downward even into um you know local politics and then these you know state party politics which yeah, that it's going to make a huge difference with someone like her at the helm uh, running, you know, the operations of the party like that. Uh, so that because, you know, the hope is that in the 2020 elections, we can continue to win state level races and and everything else and continue to our, uh, you know, our huge undemocratic power grab <laughs> that the Democratic <laughs> Party is trying to achieve nationwide. Yeah. And I think she'll like I said, do a great job of building on the relationships that she's already built and also um, the work that the party did with Brandon Dillon at the helm. Um, he worked a lot to invest the west side of the state, um, which you know has obviously for a lot of years been an issue with the Democratic Party. Um, and so like a big thanks to him for setting up a really great infrastructure, especially around the 2018 elections. Like There was a field program like we've never seen before. So Yeah, I, I think I read that this is the first time now that we've had a Democratic um, governor, lieutenant governor, attorney general, and secretary of state in like 24 years uh-huh. in Michigan. So that's pretty great. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So it said that uh, the so at the actual convention there was uh, around 2,850 delegates who were there to cast ballots. I think that's really high for a uh, you know there there wasn't a ton of you know heated races or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, like in the 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 last convention, it was it was really heated between the the different candidates for attorney general and uh, secretary of state and all that. So um, pretty cool to see that they're still they're carrying a lot of that momentum even into like I said these positions that are hugely important but have traditionally I think people haven't paid as much attention to. Uh, so that's always great. Um, they said that the the mood was celebratory but cautious at the convention as uh, delegates and elected officials praised the electoral gains that they made in 20, uh, 2018, but also urging party activists to stay focused ahead of 2020. Again, they, they really need to carry this momentum forward on this, and it's almost that time where we really got to start thinking about 2020, unfortunately. Oh, it's been that time, and I am <laughs> yeah. not happy about it. <laughs> yeah, we talked about this last week. There's uh, people announcing for president already. There's 
It's all it sorts seems, of things happening. It seems yeah. normal to me. And then the other day I woke up and said, it's still the beginning of February. Mm-hmm. How, how is this? Anyway, I don't really want to talk about it anymore, but I'm yeah. sad. <laughs> yeah. I think we're going to have to talk about it, unfortunately. <laughs> okay. Wow. Well. Um, this conversation, we could cut off right here about 2020. We'll but give you a week to adjust, Amy. Yes. No. Let's give yeah. some time for uh to celebrate and uh <laughs> and but yeah i'm sure she will put together a great uh organization and everything moving forward to maybe flip the maybe flip michigan fully flip michigan we already did quite a bit we got the wave we need the the tsunami i guess yeah <laughs> i just was gonna let you keep going yeah. <laughs> i will not be wearing a shirt that says that so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah so uh also both so it's both state parties in michigan are going to have new leadership uh, ahead of the next election so the michigan republican party chair ron weiser is also stepping down and uh so state rep laura cox and gina barr they're both currently running to take weiser's place the Michigan Republican Party convention is scheduled for February 22nd and 23rd. So uh, big shakeups happening all across the, the state for parties. And who the hell knows what's going to go on in the 2020 election, but I've got high That's hopes. That's where I'm at. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But we've all got our high hopes. Um, all right. Let's uh, take a quick break with a, uh, with a little trivia round. This is a special trivia, a special trivia this week. Uh, so this one is all dealing with Midwest sayings. So we like to talk in Midwest sayings a lot. We all personally use them in our in our personal lives. Sure do. We like to use them a lot on the show itself. There's a lot of opes. There's a lot of uh, accents, a lot of talk. <laughs> so, An yeah. accent is just like a way of life, though. <laughs> We're people right. who talk. Right. Yeah. So this, uh, yeah, trivia this week is going to be focusing on different Midwest sayings. Uh, hopefully um some some more i guess obscure ones that maybe that maybe we even don't know and then going into a little bit of the the background of why they exist Uh, educational educational for even for current midwesterners uh first one first question what is a bubbler and what midwest state calls it that this one would have been very easy for mariel uh because they also refer to it as this in in her home state back in the northeast but there's a midwest state where it's very prominent as well all right what is a bubbler and what midwest state calls it that lauren you'll click have the answer i know what it is Mm -hmm. i don't know where it is amy do you want to take a shot before i um not really but i think those are the rules that i put in place so i think i have to okay right yeah yeah because i don't i really don't know yeah okay i just like watching people fail before i yeah, stumble and try. See, here's so. the thing. That's why I like hosting the games uh-huh. and not mm-hmm. actually playing them because I never know the answers. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. All right. For partial cl- credit, Lauren. Uh, <laughs> is It's like a drinking fountain. Yes. Right? It is a drinking fountain. I Just so you know, I was going to say a bottle of champagne. Oh, mm. I like that. Thank you. It's wrong, though. Um, yeah. Do you have any guess? It's a, there's a Midwest state where it's prominently you know, used. The only in tribute to um, Pawnee... I'm going to say Indiana. Mm. That's a good guess. Amy, do you have a guess? I'll say Illinois for no reason at all. Oh. This is Wisconsin. Huh. Wisconsin, where it's commonly huh. used. Bubbler. Interesting. Yeah, so I knew that this was like a Boston, like Massachusetts yeah. kind of thing, because I'd heard Mariel say it before. Um, 
but yeah, it's it's actually in Wisconsin that it's prominently used. Um, so yeah, like like Lauren said, it is a water fountain. Um, but the the reason why it's actually uh, called a bubbler is well, a the original design is it's not like the arc like the one you think of. It goes straight up, so it kind of gives this like bubbling brook kind of look to it. Uh, but then also it's sort of how like we call tissues Kleenex. So Bubbler was a brand no that was made by Kohler. It was mm. the first one in Kohler's Wisconsin. big factory is in Wisconsin. Uh, yeah, I thought that was pretty interesting. I did not know that. Uh, yeah, so that's why it's called Bubbler. Hmm. Learn something new every day. Lauren and I just exchanged glances about the Parks and Rec episode where everyone just puts their mouth right <laughs> on the drinking fountain. Yeah. I just wanted to mention that. That's a great one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, don't do that. It's gross. Mm-hmm. No. Mm-hmm. No. Um, all right. Question number two. What is hot dish? Hot dish. I think this might have actually come up in one of our Midwest food segments. Sure did. I think it did. But uh, it's worth revisiting. All right. Hot dish. What is hot dish? I think it's your turn, Amy. Okay. Um, is It's going to be really bad if I got this wrong because I made the mm-hmm. food quiz. That mm-hmm. was fun. I think it's like the tater tot casserole from Nebraska. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, it, it can be used for any type of casserole, but that is the most common. My roommate from Minnesota just made like a – has been eating it for like two weeks. Like oh, is she it made yeah. one? Minnesota? I think they have like a competition. Mm. Maybe it's biggest there, but apparently it's all across the Midwest. I've actually mm. never, never had heard this before. Except for on the podcast. So another week. Yeah. I mean, it was just <laughs> casserole, but granted, uh, I don't know. My mom's from Pennsylvania, so mm-hmm. um, yeah. she's not a, necessarily a native Midwestern. They made a so. joke about it on the Netflix show Love of like how Midwestern he was because mm. he ate hot dish. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a thing we're known for. I would eat it. Mm-hmm. I haven't, I don't think, yeah. ever. But. So it's, uh, yeah, it's another, technically, so it's another word for casserole. Hot dishes are commonly loaded with a cream-based soup, a veggie, a protein, and hopefully lots of tater tots and cheese. So, yeah, hot dish. Uh, it looks gross, tastes great. Um, <laughs> the Midwest. The Midwest looks Midwestern gross. Midwestern cuisine. <laughs> it looks gross, tastes great. All right. Uh, third question. Uh, this one, I think Lauren is going to be a fan of this. Because uh, I know she uses the phrase. What does oofta mean? What does oofta mean? Does oofta mean anything? I think it's just like an onomatopoeia, I but of how you feel. Oofta is more of a state of mind. It's a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle. <laughs> well, a, let's try your best it's to articulate what you would use oofta for. It's like a, to me, it's like a combination of, it's like a. Like a Charlie Brown sort of, it's like dope, like Homer Simpson, Mm -hmm. but like Mm -hmm. for Midwesterners. Yeah, Yeah, well, uh, that's basically correct. I mean, you just have to like listen to the word, I feel like. Yeah. Yeah. So Ufta, uh, a little background on it. Ufta, it's of Norwegian and sort of Scandinavian origin. As uh, am I. It's adapted from. A lot of white people in the Midwest. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's adapted from the Norwegian word Ufda. Uh, which is also, I think, even in Norwegian, it's not like a real word. It's just a phrase used to uh, say that um, you it's to express dismay, relief, sensory overload, surprise, and a ton of other things. So, so really anything. 
It's a constant it's a state of oofta. <laughs> yeah. Well, I know a lot of people say oof, too. And I think mm-hmm. that actually is a Midwest thing, saying mm. oof, which to me painting, that seems so common. But. There's a painting in the Museum of Modern Art that just says oof in maize and blue. And it's my favorite. That seems right to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's oofta. It's definitely, I've never seen that in television. I've never seen that anywhere else. I think my Fargo. favorite, just Fargo. Oh. My favorite oh. use of it is John trying to sound professional while saying it <laughs> was my <Duh>. favorite. <laughs> Let's dig into that a little bit. <laughs> yeah, let's not. Uh, yeah, so that's all the, the, the main questions I had, but I did want to throw in some honorable mentions uh, mm-hmm. for some, these are actually just phrases that I like didn't really realize were Midwestern things until I was doing some more research on this. So one of them is where at, mm. like you mm-hmm. remove like the, mm-hmm. like, where is that at kind of mm-hmm. thing, but just saying where at like apparently a is a Midwest thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like where at, like we're going to the movies where at. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. So huh. another one like that, uh, that I, everybody says around here, but I didn't realize was really a Midwestern thing is saying come with, like, do you want to come mm-hmm. with? Mm-hmm. Oh, Huh. So it's a lot of like removing modifiers. I don't know what it's the exact grammar is. It's very cold here. You yeah, we don't have this, time. Yeah, don't have time to talk to people. We gotta outside. get inside. Right. Uh, another one that I like is jeet. Is what that, did you did you eat? <laughs> jeet. <laughs> uh, and then <laughs> my favorite actually was uh, saying tough tomatoes. What? Of... Is that something that's common here? Well, yeah, there's like other phrases that are similar to that, but apparently tough tomatoes is really common around here. I've definitely said it. People in my family say it. Um, and I, yeah, it's one of those things that I didn't really realize was kind of a Midwestern thing. I don't think I've ever heard that before, but I do want to start saying it now. Yeah, I was going to say next week, I think it should just be John's family trivia. <laughs> like, yeah, what phrases a... does John's family say that next... only? These are really family friendly. <laughs> These are, are super family friendly questions. Next week, can it be keep your accent strong and the tough tomatoes close by? Yeah. Okay, I, I should spoiler alert. Sorry. I guess I should have done that for the the intro to this one, but then I couldn't have <laughs> talked about it now. Well, We're you know, they, all of our so. listeners get to see what goes into making a podcast, and it's uh, yep. very little preparation, yeah. is what it is. <laughs> yeah, I started making the outline like forty five minutes ago, so it's <laughs> it's a lot of preparation. Uh, yeah, tough tomatoes. Um, tough tomatoes. Yeah, good uh, good trivia good around. Trivia, Hopefully. Hopefully I can find some more of those. We can do it again. Um, but anyways, let's get into let's get into something else. Some some pretty local news to us here in Lansing. Uh, so yeah, the MSU Board of Trustees kicked John Angler to the curb as sure interim did. president. Uh, can we get some on, air me, horns, yeah, please? let me throw that in there. Yeah. So if anybody uh, hasn't been paying attention, has been living under a rock. Uh, there was obviously a huge um, uh, sexual assault scandal that happened at uh, Michigan State University where the former uh, gymnastics um, doctor, medi- doctor son- yeah, medical professional was uh, systematically um, sexually assaulting the, the gymnasts uh, over a long period of time. Uh, so he Decades. is decade. Yeah. So he is very much like in prison for the rest of his life now. Um, threw the book at him but uh so in the meantime there's been a lot of uh systematic changes that have been trying to happen at at michigan state there's you know obviously a lot of different lawsuits and uh different uh legal things that are happening 
Um, and so in the meantime, uh, it, the, all of this happening, uh, the, some, some major figures at MSU had to step down. So Mark Hollis, the athletic director stepped down and then Luana K. Simon, the now former president also had to step down. Uh, so the board of trustees, uh, voted in an interim president, John Engler, who was the former governor of Michigan, uh, which a lot of people were not happy with this selection from the start. I, th- I believe that he had some sexual harassment scandals uh, happen while he was in office or was helping or, or was sort of, you know, fighting victims of it uh, on some case of it. I, I, I wish I had done more research on that. Um, but anyways, so he had a very controversial year in office. Um, there was a lot of problems with his, well, like I said, from the start, there were there were issues with him being the interim president and then he just didn't seem to handle anything well the entire time uh and yeah so after a controversial year in office and amid growing criticism of his tenure msu interim president john engler resigned on wednesday uh so the and this move came about after the board of trustees had set a special meeting with the intent to fire him so he resigned before they had a chance to fire him Right. And kind of the final straw was he um, made a series of statements implying that um, the women who had come forward and had been such brave advocates um, Mm -hmm. were enjoying the spotlight um, Mm -hmm. and how he thought that the women who weren't enjoying the spotlight also deserved something. And then he made a bunch of comments about how the money that had been set aside for the victims um, wasn't going to do anything or like wasn't um, fulfilling the purpose while the board was still trying to like make changes um, and re-implement that program. And um, yeah, then he uh, got kicked to the curb. Yeah, so... Another thing really quick that um, I think John Engler was at the helm of was they... So they were, the university was sent, not sentenced, but they had to like pay the victims, Mm -hmm. um, survivors of Larry Nassar and something happened with the fund where they just decided that they weren't going to pay Mm -hmm. them anymore. And they also, no, it was that the money that they were using to pay the survivors, um, through the settlement from the lawsuit, they were going to like not pay for their, um, their like counseling anymore they weren't going to pay for things to help them move on from what had happened Mm -hmm. to them and I think it also was like retro or not retroactively but like going forward they weren't going to offer as much support to students and other people around Mm -hmm. the university who had been sexually assaulted so it was like well we have to pay these survivors so we're going to pull this money from other victims and survivors on campus instead of you know, taking it from somewhere else. So mm-hmm. that was one of the other things that was very controversial that happened. Yeah, and he also, um, there were accusations by several of the survivors against him saying that he was offering people like cash bribes mm-hmm. or payouts to not testify. Um, some pretty brutal stuff like that. And then also he was, uh, as interim president, he was appointing like old friends and cronies of his to different positions at the university for like three year stints where he was supposed to be like temporary. So he was basically using this temporary posting that he got because of this, uh, huge systematic problem at MSU. And he was using that to like do favors for his buddies. Yeah. So that's pretty bad. Um, and it's just so clear that he didn't empathize 
with the women who were at the center of this. Mm -hmm. And he, he definitely was treating it just like a problem that he needed to deal with and wasn't thinking about it like actual people at all. Right. And with the voters making it so clear in November with new board members coming in, um, Brianna Scott and Kelly T. Bay, that like they wanted a change and both of them ran on a very strong like students need to be the center of the university and he just didn't seem to care about mm -hmm. their voices and their problems. Like you still have um, students who are coming to all of these board meetings talking about the issues that they're still seeing on campus and um, he just um, mm -hmm was not only trying to silence them but also like tried to shame these women who were so brave and coming forward and like trying to make a change so that no one else was affected by this problem mm -hmm. and that was one of the other things you mentioned the new trustees that was one of the i mean that was the thing that made this happen was that i think three new trustees took their seats for the first time and then they yes yeah and then they chose to do this because it was like very clear to them what needed to happen. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, so so after, you know, obviously a, a lot of screw-ups on his part, um, he finally resigned. Uh, Twenty Before that, 23 of MSU's top academic administrators, mostly deans of various colleges and schools, signed a letter that was sent to the Board of Trustees demanding that Angler be replaced. Um, and so sort of between that and then yeah, this, the the last thing seemed to be sort of the final straw that broke the camel's back of his his public statement saying that survivors were enjoying the spotlight. Seemed to you know it finally triggered him getting getting pressured out, um, and for the better. And so, uh, in so he the, sent a eleven page resignation letter. <laughs> yeah, which I'm sure was just yeah garbage. I'm sure he didn't take uh, any blame for any of it. Um, but yes, he's gone now, and uh, he's been replaced as interim president by Satish Udpa, who is the former dean of MSU's College of Engineering. Uh, yeah, he was, he was uh, appointed to replace interim president John Angler following the resignation. Um, the resignation was immediately, so uh, Satish is the interim president already. So yeah, hopefully uh, it seems like they definitely decided to look inward for the next interim president, somebody they already new and trusted um they definitely don't. it's been like scandal after scandal after problem after problem at, at msu over the past couple of years and it's really i mean i'm an msu alumni and it's really disheartening and it seems like they're just not handling anything well so hopefully they get a big swath of new leadership in there and manage to fix fix everything so i'm just like at least very happy about this news because like a lot of the Nasser survivors have been dealing with this for decades and sometimes it's like you know like there's women when we were when I was watching the hearing there would be women who were like you know middle-aged and have their own daughters who are mm -hmm. now you know the age that they were that when they were assaulted right. by him and it's just like there's no reason that should have gone on for that long yeah yeah um, and I definitely hope with a presidential search committee, Brianna Scott was just appointed to that this week. And I think that's a good, um, she definitely seems like someone who has good instincts and leadership. And so I, I think that she'll be a good voice um, for what students are really looking for in a new president. Because mm -hmm. at the end of the day, it's the students that, you know, have to deal with the consequences of these decisions. So um, it'll be good to see someone in place who has their best interests at heart. 
Yeah, mm-hmm. very well put. Um, glad he's gone. Hopefully, it's a good way forward. All right, let's uh, let's end on a positive note. Let's get into the silver lining. The silver lining this week is very generously found by uh, by Lauren. I was having trouble finding one, but uh, she's definitely found a great one. So, title of the article. Dueling duo of restaurants battle over signs. This is a doozy. Uh, so, Sc- <laughs> Scottsburg, Indiana, for the past few weeks, there's been a serious feud brewing outside of two restaurants. I like that they use the word restaurants for them. Uh, it's all spelled out in black and white. Uh, it's coming down to the local Taco Bell versus Popeyes in the Classic. small community. And the beef <laughs> between the two is ruffling some feathers. Around. <laughs> this I news- love this. Whoever wrote this article <laughs> deserves a medal for all these dumb puns. Uh, yeah, so the, the top taco makers in town, probably the only taco makers in town, have been serving up hot food in Scottsburg for 28 years. Uh, any new addition to the crowd can make their longtime restaurant managers a little easy. So I said they were pretty salty at first. Uh, the, this was uh, Whitney Ward, the general manager at Taco Bell, when the Popeyes opened because they were going to get some, some fast food competition. Um, so the light bulb went on for Taco Bell, and they approached their new neighbor about engaging one another in more creative signage. So they've basically been shit talking each other with their, you know, their signs outside of the restaurants Love for that. for quite a while now. Uh, and yeah, it's getting pretty heated. There um, is nothing more Midwestern than fighting with someone by putting a sign out front of your business or home. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah, so Jackie Brock, the general manager at the Popeye's Louisiana Kitchen, uh, said, one day I took my chicken out, and he was getting all the attraction out there. I'm assuming this was a man in a chicken suit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so she comes, not a real chicken. So she a com- lot of context that you need to so she So she comes out and says, hey, I feel attacked. Uh, and she was talking about the restaurant's, yeah, okay. So yeah, she was talking about the chicken's, the restaurant's chicken mascot, not an actual chicken. Uh, and she said so, and we're thinking we got beef with that chicken," said Catherine Phillip, Caitlin Phillips, assistant Ooh. general manager at Taco Bell. She'd been waiting to say that for years. Oh my God, yeah, <laughs> she was writing that for a long time. So they changed their sign to, that says "Let's not talk about it," and we had our our uh, our chicken mascot out there taking pictures. Um, and that's when the meat of the messages started filling in. Whoever with wrote the this that we need their to, job. We need to find you and you need to write the outlines for this show. Uh, <laughs> the businesses trading messages back and forth on their street-facing signs like, is that all you guac? And we are jalapeno business. Uh, we used to bean there, done that, case closed. Uh, case spelled like the mm. start of queso. Mm-hmm. Um, our thighs are nacho business. <laughs> uh, that was the director of operations at Popeye's said that was a pretty good one on a couple levels. <laughs> <laughs> These people got so into this. Oh, uh, love this. But yeah, this is just a great little Midwestern story that we felt deserved attention. Um, but yeah, people in town, are, they say, are paying attention now and even putting in their two cents because of course they are. Uh, we actually have people calling us now with suggestions. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they're like, we're gonna come out, come in and eat just to see the signs. So we put a suggestion <laughs> box out. Uh, so you get one side of the story on your way to work, and the other side coming home. As <laughs> someone said, uh, yeah, that's Can pretty. Can we great. have people call in and give us Midwestern foods to have as mm-hmm. a mm-hmm. yeah for the trivia? Because okay. I'm running out. But also, do we have fans that could do that? Sure. <laughs> Probably. Yeah. Someone's listening. 
Yeah. I'll do it. I'll send us. I'll Thanks, send us Lauren. suggestions. Call me from an anonymous yeah. number. <laughs> yeah. Um, I like that this is part of the great uh, Midwestern church tradition. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what's next, you may ask? Well, I'll tell you. Uh, they said they're going to have a dance battle at some point. Is this with the chickens or just in oh, general? Oh, God, I hope so. Um, they said they want to dance off, and I'm game for that. Brock said, if my chicken can dance, we'll do it. Yeah, okay, the chickens are dancing. This we'll is the, the purest article I've ever read. Yeah, they said, uh, but both both general managers said there's no hurt feelings or bad blood in this battle of the science, uh, and they're hoping to see it go on for a while. We might even get Sonic on board. There's a local Sonic. I was going to uh, say, what happens when a third fast food restaurant starts, yeah. like, builds... Well, the the article ended, in fact, with uh, Ward saying, as long as you're not picking up pizza, they're (laughs) cool with bringing in other people and uh, they seem to be okay with each other. That really is kind of the big battle, isn't it? Like just against pizza because that's such a staple. Everyone's against big pizza. (laughs) Yeah, all the other, the the little fast food guy, the McDonald's, the Burger Kings, (laughs) they're all just fighting pizza. Um, But yeah, what a great little story. I love the puns, love the signs. It is. It does feel very Midwestern, yeah. almost as Midwestern as Portuguese. Yeah, great little wholesome story and uh, ah, good episode this week. What do you guys think? Yeah, I think it was good. I think it was good. I'm realizing that Mariel's not here. I don't know what our social media is, so just Google us. Oh, yeah. Thank you. It's uh, yeah, Facebook.com slash Midwest Nice. <laughs> uh, I think Twitter, it's Twitter's it Midwest Nice Cast. Yep. Just type it in the search bar. It's so easy. You've used the internet before. Have you? Yeah. You were listening to <laughs> Maybe. this. Yeah. Uh, yeah, our website, midwest-nice.pinecast.co. We're on Spotify now, which is pretty cool. That's where I listen to the show. So yeah. I don't listen to the show. Sorry. You don't listen to the show. Okay. <laughs> Never mind. Can't we'll listen t- to we'll my own voice. We already we'll know this. this. We can cut we'll, this we'll, later. T- we'll talk about this after. This It's going to have to be some changes. Um, all right. Well... We'll see you guys next week. We will see you guys next week because we're going to keep doing it every week. Bye, Bye. guys. Bye.